Hi friends, welcome to the Universal Sisterhood podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart is created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their story. Welcome to episode 67. I'm so excited today that you get the chance to listen to the warm heart of Donna Power. Um, As women, we all are life bearers. We're all life givers. Our womb may not ever physically hold a baby. Um, We might be spiritual mothers. We might be godmothers. We might be um, grandmothers. We might be mothers. We might be biological mothers. But we are all called to birth life in some way. And Donna's story shows just how beautiful and how big our, our ability to be mother is. Um, as you will hear, Donna f- founded a charity called Project Kindy, which provides kindergartens to hundreds of Malawi children here they receive food, a community, education, and ultimately dignity. And it's she shares um, how it came about um, and her heart for for the poor. Um, Donna, along with the Kenoshan sisters, um, are such a beautiful example of true feminine um, maternity and. Um, I really, really hope that you could help this charity in some way, shape or form. It could be through prayers, but it also could be through your monetary donations because you not only bring education to a child, you bring them life in so many aspects of their of their world. Um, I'm sure you're going to love Donna's story, but please, I encourage you to share this charity um, because a hundred percent of your donations go directly to these children. Um, there is there is no middleman. It goes straight to the Kanashan sisters who look after these children and educate them and bring them such a beautiful um, witness to um, what it truly means to have a feminine heart. So um, have a listen. If you love it, share it with a friend. Um, I really encourage you to get on board. As you will hear towards the end, uh, Donna will give us a few links that you can go to. Um, And there is a fundraiser if you live in Brisbane on the 23rd of October this year, 2021. I I strongly encourage you to attend and really get behind such a beautiful charity. Podcast Donna. Before we dive into our conversation, I would love for you to tell my guests something about you and what your life looks like right now. Well, thanks very much for having me, Jess. Um, Yes, my name's Donna and I am married to a man called Fraser and we have two beautiful girls. One is a preppy in Queensland. She's, you know, first year of primary school. And is that five? Yeah, she's five, turning six. Yeah. Uh, and then we have our little baby, Gabriella, and she's 11 months, so nearly one. So she's just a delight, thank goodness. 
Um, and I run a charity called Project Kindy. We fundraise for kindergartens in remote villages in Malawi, supporting the Kenoshan sisters there. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I couldn't work out how to pronounce that. I'm thinking Kenesian, Kenoshans. Kenoshans, yeah, the Kenoshan Daughters of Charity, to be precise. So Kenoshan is from? It, Italy, yeah, it's an Italian order. Well, um, their founder was African, but um, I think the order is Italian. Oh, my gosh, I hope. <laughs> you hope. I hope I'm right on that. That's okay. I could I can Google that later. Yeah. Okay. So they're the Kenoshan Sisters of Charity. Kenoshan Daughters of Charity. Yeah. Okay. I'll better write it down. Okay. Wonderful. So I stumbled across you. Well, actually, I didn't stumble across you. The Holy Spirit brought our <laughs> lives, intersected our lives together very beautifully. That's right. That's right. And um, I was blown away by what you do. And I thought. Thank you. I can't believe there's a young Australian woman out there who has this beautiful charity. And the one thing that really spoke to me was 100% of what you give goes to them. It's not mm -hmm. caught up in, you know, the bureaucratic kind of system or it goes right. somewhere else. Yeah. It goes straight to where it's needed. And that is so mm. um, honourable of you mm. and um just your heart for your missionary heart. I was so um, inspired by it. So I would love for you to talk about what Project Kindy is, where it came from and what we can do. So, Oh, sure. Well, thank you very much, Jess. Um, so we fundraise in Australia for kindergartens in rural, remote villages in a little country in Africa called Malawi. Um, and the way it started was, this will explain a whole lot of things. Have you been <laughs> um, to Malawi? No. Um, well, yes, I have, but that's not what started the charity. Um, so I have a good friend, Sister Melissa Dwyer, who's the head of the Kenoshans in Australia now. At the time, she wasn't. She just started out. Um, and she was a missionary in Africa for eight years or so. But we were friends... Uh, since we've been friends since 2000 when we were both um, discerning religious life or not. Sorry about the background noise. That just got really chatty behind me there. That's okay. Um, so Mel and I, um, yeah, we met in 2000 when we were both discerning religious life and she said yes and I said no because I felt more called to family life. Um, and so she went and uh, fell in love with missionary life in Africa where she saw, you know, the greatest need <clears throat> and she just saw that she could make a really big difference there. So when she come, when she would come home in those eight years, we would catch up and she came to my place in 2011 and I was working as a campus minister at a secondary school and I had her come in and talk to the year eights um, about yeah, her life. And she just mentioned to the year eights that the kindergarten next to the convent may have to close down due to lack of funds. And she said to the kids to explain the level of poverty, that the kindergarten fees were $4 a month and the families couldn't afford it. And later on, back at my place, when we were having a cup of tea, I just said, 
tell me more about that kindergarten. My goodness, $4 a month. How many kids? And she said, oh, 40 kids. And I said, well, what's the biggest need? Like, do you need more help? Because she's in secondary education. Do you need more help at the secondary school or the primary school? Or is there something else? Or is this kindergarten something worth supporting? And she said, well, the kindergarten is in the it has the greatest need because it was being funded and now the families can't afford it due to drought. Um, and, you know, kindergarten education sets a kid up for success at primary school and then secondary school and beyond. Um, so she said, yeah, that's the greatest need. And I thought, oh, that's easy enough, 40 kids, $4 a month. Yeah. I can do that. And I started I emailed my friends and family and said, hey, who wants to join me donating to this ministry? Um, and a whole lot of people said, of course. And so we just started sending the, you know, I'd collect the donations and send them off via the internet banking miracle that it is um, straight to the Kenoshans, um to the, the provincial's bank account and they would then send it on to that uh, particular ministry. So it's all in their books and all of that. Um, yeah, and then sooner or later, the sisters said, you're sending too much money. Uh, we've already got 120 kids now instead of 40 kids, but you're still sending too much money for that kindy. So is it okay if we open up the other six that are in the rural villages that have been closed down due to lack of funds. And I said, oh, yeah, of course. Why not? Uh, yeah, do it. Because the, the Aussie dollar just stretches so far there. It just blows your mind. And then um, in 2016, we were registered as a charity. So that, that, bit, that first email out was September 2011. So we sent our first donation that December. And then, yeah, 2000, by, it just kept growing. More friends invited more friends. And and then, yeah, there's more kindergartens to support. So we registered as a charity and had a website and all of that. And then we had our first big event on in 2017. And I went with a friend to Malawi at that point. So six years later, when we were registered, I thought, due diligence, I better go. <laughs> Gosh, better um, actually getting there. <laughs> I, got, I actually should see what's going on, and and that was really a, an important trip because I did not understand the context until I went there. Um, it's still I'm still learning a lot every day, um, but yeah, that was a very informative trip. But it was it was more of a strategic trip. Like, are we aligning what we're doing correctly with what's happening on the ground over there? And then uh, a few more villages saw the model um, and they've come on board So since then. So we're up to 11 kindergartens now with 850 children. And, um, and now just last year, in August last year, we had a little coup and got tax deductibility status from the ATO because, they're, again, you know, you talk about the Holy Spirit. Well, a la the lady who took on our case in the government there, the government department, she is a mum with two kids and she was like, I love this charity. I can see that it's really genuine and I'm going to advocate for you. Um, and so, yeah, she got us through and she 
held my hand the whole way, like talking me through every single step. And I was like so grateful. So yeah, now we're tax deductible. So we just had our first financial year being tax deductible and and um oh gosh, I could tell you many stories, but when I went there in 2017, <clears throat> it was great to see the kids all just eating like lunch, you know, lunchtime and kids are just sitting on the floor eating their lunch. Well, it was just so nice to see these little kids all eating just contently, like they should, like they're taking it for granted, which is how it should be. You know, they should, kids, all the kids should take food for granted every day. So that was really nice, but I was expecting that. Um, But what surprised me was how invested and grateful the adults were not just the teachers who are volunteering and running it. So the Kenoshan sisters don't run it. They oversee it. They empower the people themselves. So they've got the people from their own local community are the teachers. They're the cooks. They're the maintenance people. They're the PNC. Um, The chief um, is involved and they send a representative to the, the sisters once a month for training and mentoring the sisters sorry the local ladies from the convent kindergarten the first one that we started they're the most experienced teachers well they train the local teachers in all of their basic literacy and numeracy and behavior management strategies um so that is that's a real gift to me from the wisdom of the kenoshans that they see the right way to go is to empower whole communities. So when someone donates to Project Kindy, and some people have asked me, oh, is there a particular kid that I support or a particular kindy? And I just say, well, no, that's, that model doesn't really fit. Um, the Kenoshans have been there for 40 years, 40 plus years, and they've, they've seen that model happen and just it's not contextually appropriate there. So yeah, we just support the the work um, instead of the individuals indiv- like individually however they're all yeah. benefiting you know yeah mm. that's so beautiful I, I could really talk to... forever about that <laughs> oh you you can I will let you but I just wanted to um, affirm your feminine heart because when women are life bearers and life givers and you in your femininity have been able to give life well beyond any understanding of your own. Like you've given life to families and children and communities and and um, workforce. And I just want to say thank you for that because that is so beautiful. Living out your true femininity like that is amazing. So thank you, Donna. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> it's when women When women live out of their inherent goodness and their their truest identity, Mm. they are life givers. That's really beautiful. It's very true. It's very true. I had um, an experience when I was a young adult at a Christian youth camp in my uni years Mm. and I was, I'd done that discernment knowing that I was wanting family life, not religious life, and yet I felt this calling to just say, 
um, I'll give dating to you, Lord, like I'll just give that over. And I still remember the moment because I was leaning up against this brown pole, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just went, oh, Lord, even though that's what I want most is my family, I'll give that over to you. And then I had this word come, which you know those moments when it really is word because you you wouldn't have thought of it yourself. No, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, Um, and it really gets you. Like, and you remember it? <laughs> doesn't leave you. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's like someone said once, it's like having a, a stone in your shoe. You can yeah. kind of move it around a bit, put it between your toes, kind of shift it to the side of the shoe, but it's always there and it always reminds yeah. you very gently. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes painfully. Yeah. Like, oh, you did give that up. Yeah. <laughs> remember? And I just went... And he just went, well, like Abraham, you was the father of many children. You'll be the mother of many children. And I went, oh, okay, what does that mean? I am studying primary teaching. That does make sense. <laughs> but I, so I always remember that. Well, and he I reveals always, in his own time and it's yeah. where you are. Yeah. And he did give me a family in the end. Yeah. Oh, he He's gave not you a He's not a punishing God, <laughs> but he does like he does like it when you put him first, <laughs> I think. <laughs> he will never outdo you in generosity. That's right. Um, no. So when you're generous to him, he will always outdo you. And yeah. because he's not only given you a human family, a, a no. personal family, he's given you a spiritual family, yeah. an international family. Yeah. So yep. beautiful. Okay, oh, it's a real witness. Yeah. So, so the money. Can I just go back to the money? Do do mm. does the money fund uh, provide an income for the teachers as well, or is it basically yes. infrastructure and schooling? Like yeah, children? no. So the four dollar a month fees they cover daily lunches for the children. So that's bought in bulk once a year. So they store this grain in big sheds. I'm I'm meaning hundreds and hundreds of bags of 50 kilo maize bags you know which in Australia we only use as feed for cattle or horses or something yeah. sheep um so that's for humans um and the four dollars a month goes to that the storage of that the um delivery of that food um and then it also goes to the staff wages and the volunteer incentives. So there's wages in the main two kindergartens. So the one next to the ki- the kindy, sorry, the one next to the convent, and there's a second major kindy in a nearby village, maybe about 15 minute drive, called Katundu. And they, the teachers there, are paid, um, as are the cooks and the maintenance guys, uh, but the nine satellite kind of village kindergartens this i'm going on the sisters wisdom here paying them monetarily wise isn't the best way to go at this point mm-hmm. also it might be prohibitive for us um but so what we do is give them incentives of grain yeah. and thank yous so they once a month they get um more food for their family and yeah yeah which for them is you know a big priority 
Mm. But it's quite confronting when when you compare it to life in Australia when you think yeah. everyone gets paid over there you just have to go on the sisters wisdom just go, oh. and and wisdom they would have I mean they don't yeah. well, I don't know them personally but I'm sure their heart is in the right place yeah and they're reading the situation on the ground exactly. um, yeah so that's basically what those $4 a month kindy fees go to, wages and lunches um, and in incentive bags of maize. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we also fundraise for infrastructure. So last year we hurried our goal for wells due to COVID. Um, and we, from the gen due to the generosity of many Australians, um, we funded four wells for the four remaining villages that didn't have their own access to water. Um, and I just felt a really burning desire for that because I thought, oh, my Lord, these people are going into lockdown and they don't have access to water for hand washing. But also what about how these women have to walk so yeah. far um, and so dangerous um, So it's such a dangerous trek, especially if you then add on to that, you might get fined for not isolating so, oh, so how has COVID affected them so are they yeah they are isolating in Malawi they were last year mm -hmm. but now um it seems to be that life goes on although they're having different waves so they they are not in lockdown but they have things like a curfew mm -hmm. at the moment um and a restriction on um gatherings uh, such as rallies and political rallies, that sort of thing. In our kindergartens and in that area called Sanama, the well, there's two things that are impacting them the most. One is people contracting the disease. Um, but secondly, there is an economic consequence where they would be selling their grain to a wider clientele normally, but because people aren't traveling as much, mm -hmm. a very significant amount of customers are still back in the bigger cities and not coming and accessing the region's grain. So they now they're stuck with a surplus of grain that would have been a really significant contribution to their economic yeah. viability. So that's really hardcore. Mm. Um, Sister Giovanna just sent us an update on that and she said, look, really, it's um, bad but not a crisis. And she said that more people are still are dying of malaria. Okay. And that sort of thing. Um, and, and it's not getting tracked. People don't, in poor countries, COVID and many other diseases aren't tracked very well. They're not um, vaccinated, they're not tested, they're not reported on, the deaths aren't counted. She said a lot of people who die in the villages, they just put it down to asthma mm -hmm. because asthma does kill a lot of people, so that difficulty in breathing. Um, but in poorer countries, there's a poverty pervades all areas of life, including healthcare and, and knowledge around your health. Mm -hmm. So they, they don't really know how many diseases are out there and what each one it could 
which like what people could be suffering from. They have a yep. limited amount of diseases they label and they use as labels and but she said it's not lockdown worthy and it's not um they're wearing masks um and they're social distancing as much as possible but she's not so concerned as last year yeah have they lost many well she won't tell me i ask specifically i want to know but um in our community she just doesn't seem to answer those questions <laughs> I don't know why, maybe that wisdom again. Um, yes, I'd say so. Yeah. But in Malawi, the general stats are, well, gosh, I don't know the latest ones. I'll have to look it up for you. Hang on. All right. Um, and the sisters, are they are doing well? Yeah. Um, a couple of them have had COVID mm -hmm. um, and recovered, and the priests have had it and recovered. Is it a uh, predominantly they do. Christian um, town, village? What was that, sorry? Is it predominantly Christian? Yes, it's it's predominantly Christian uh, with a significant Muslim population and also a secular base as well. Mm -hmm. um, I th don't have the stats on it, but I imagine the Muslim might be population might be growing. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, the, why are they, <laughs> okay, two, 2,242 deaths, wow. 50,507 recovered, 61,000 infected, but you've got to take those statistics with the grain of salt yeah. because, yeah, yeah, it's not reported very well. Hardly any of it's reported, yeah. So, um, but life goes on in these places that are quite used to disease, yes. I guess, and um, death. Um, yeah, and so this year, currently, our infrastructure projects are providing permanent classrooms for the last two that didn't have permanent classrooms. So, until now, they were learning under a makeshift stick hut with leaves on the top like just sticks for poles mm. um, and now they're hurriedly building cement and brick classrooms in these very remote places they're, they're beating the upcoming wet weather yeah monsoonal yeah, yeah. season yeah yeah so they get a lot of floods and floods or drought you know they're subsistence farming people so they get they're very um vulnerable to the weather yeah. Um, do you have any stories from when you went, anything that touched your heart, spoke to you? Yeah, definitely. Um, we were in one of the hardest ones to get to, and it was actually a Muslim community. And the chief was so poor and so slight, uh, and he, with, through the nun translating, um, he said to me, you know, when we told our neighbours that you were coming, they didn't believe us. You know, no one ever comes here. He said, but here you are. And he said, look, look around. He said, we are the forgotten ones. We are the neglected ones. And when you remember us, you're doing a very good thing. And that was a Jesus moment because I just went, oh, my sword through my heart. <laughs> oh, my Lord. You know. Wow. 
just people are so neglected and so forgotten. Mm. You know, and no wonder the Lord loves these little people. Mm. They're so beautiful and, well, they're equal. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, he just really loves them and he wants us to be a part of that. Yeah, and he wants us to love them the way he does. Yeah. Um, So a a lot of the students Muslim? Uh, Some of them are Muslim. It just depends on, you know, they're all Malawian. Yeah. They're all quite similar. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. it's just a matter of, yeah. oh, this one, uh, you know, uh, some of the villages are Muslim, some of them are Christian, some of them are a mix and some of them are secular. It's we so don't... beautiful because yeah. our faith is universal. It doesn't it doesn't um, distinguish or, or um, yeah. um, what's the word, differentiate. And, yeah, and it's not, they're providing kindergarten, they're not, it's not an, a religious um, growth. So they're not providing doctrinal information, formation. Yeah, they're not trying to. Yeah. They're not trying to catechize, in, increase Christian attendance or anything. They just yeah. want to love. They're just serving. Yeah. Yeah. How beautiful, and yeah. the and the beautiful relationships with the people is that it's all cooperative. You know. Mm. So it's not much fighting. In, in Malawi? Yeah. No, it's a peaceful country. They call it the warm heart of Africa. Mm. Oh, mm. how beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful place to visit. Yeah. So whereabouts is it? Like ge- geographically? South, southwest, sorry, southeast of Africa. So you're around, the surrounding countries are Zambia, Mozambique and Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just down. It's a, in line with um, Catherine, the Northern Territory. Okay, so that kind of. Yeah. So if you think of it like that, there's map. We've got maps on our website if anyone wanted to. The warm heart of Africa is that what it's called? Yeah, Malawi's the known as the warm heart of Africa. How gorgeous. Very um, great. Very grateful people. The sisters say it's kind of actually. It's an easy group to serve because they're very grateful. Mm. Yeah. I read a book a few years ago called Kisses for Kate, I think it was. Oh, yes. Have you read that? No, I haven't read it, but, I, yeah, I've heard the it's title. A, yeah. An evangelical um, girl went on a mission there once and decided mm. that she couldn't leave. Like she went for, instead of going to college, she went to, I'm not sure whereabouts in Africa she was, but she ended up becoming, uh, she couldn't leave and she set up a, a home for um, pregnant and displaced women, I think, girls. Mm. And it, just her stories were so beautiful mm. um, and that kind of maybe dances for Donna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I'm, I don't think I'm that important in the whole thing, though. I think it's very much a, a collegial effort. Mm. I so just last week, this is what we came across each other with. Um, it's, I just wanted to share on that Catholic mums group because I knew that would be the people who'd get it. Um, I'm just a connector. And so on Mary's, Mother Mary's birthday, I was doing a bushwalk and all of a sudden at the end, and I just sort of let things go. I, I prayed at the beginning of it and I said, Lord, I'm just going to just stop 
doing and start being, you know, and just receiving. So we're called to receive love deeply, not just give it. I thought, let me help me just do that. And by the end of the walk, I was getting all these pings when I checked my phone. And a Catholic mum had said, I want to fund one of the kindergarten builds with her husband. And I said, what? <laughs> uh, you know, it was a very grand gesture, and they have. Um, they did it that night. And then another mum said um, she wants to be a sponsor for our fundraising event that's coming up. And then another mum said, I want to give hundreds of dollars worth of vouchers and donate a couple of tickets to that event for other people to use. I was like, wow. And another mum said she'd been advocating for us in all different circles, sharing what she could, her resources. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And and when I was doing my nighttime prayers, reflecting on that it was Mary's birthday, I thought, wow, I think she might be happy with those presents. <laughs> so, so. I thought, you know, here are her little people that she loves so much mm. and here are these mum-hearted ladies. Yes. But that's the feminine genius. It's like mm. when it is harnessed in, in, mm. its, in its trueness, it just, yep. goodness happens, it's you just know? just goodness. People are free to do what is written on their heart. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, I love that. Like, I really love when people just come out of the woodwork and donate. Um, and it might be their money, but it also might be their expertise or their gifts in kind for something or just their ability to advocate for us and share the story. Yeah. It just blows me away each time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you just see the, the blessing is that Jesus is showing me um, he's giving me a front row ticket to what he sees in people's hearts, you know. And he's like, There oh, is so oh. much goodness in the world and we're so focused on the negative and what's yeah. going wrong and what you don't have and, you know, yeah. where I fall short and what someone yeah. else has and I don't have and the comparisons. But when you yes. stand back and look at the l tiny little miracles of each day, Yes. You're everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. God yeah. uses imperfect people to make extraordinary things happen. Because yeah. he uses us. We're the broken instruments. We're, as I've said it so many times on this podcast, that I'm such a broken instrument and he plays the most beautiful music through me. Mm. When it's not me, he's just mm. using this broken person to, yeah. to showcase his music. Yeah, his heart. His song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. Whenever and when anyone says, oh, you're a really good person, Donna, or something, like this is a funny, right? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that I think I'm really good because I know I'm not. But, you know, whenever someone says that, I go, oh, well, if you like me, you should see who I'm trying to follow. You'd mm -hmm. really like him. He's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like hopefully I'm just point. you know, I want that on my headstone. If you thought I was good, check out who sent me. I always right. take when I go to um, we we're in lockdown in Sydney, mm. but our church. I'm very lucky that our church has um, the tabernacle is surrounded by glass, so we can see oh. in. Mm. Um, and I always tell my kid that where are you going, Mum? I'm going off to see my boyfriend. 
You going to see your boyfriend again? Yes, I am. I'm off to see my boyfriend. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had to tell my I five-year-old. My it was after listening to one of your episodes, actually, the other day. I came home and I said to Cara, I, my five-year-old, I said, I've got to tell you something, Cara. I've said the reverse to you a lot of times, but you need to know this. God loves you more than I do. Mm. Isn't that amazing? And she looked at me. She's like, oh, what? And I said, it's true. He actually loves you more. Than, and I've said to her a number of times, you've got to love Jesus more than you love me because mm. I love him way more than I love my parents. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds bad. But I did that when I was 18. I made that that shift, that mind shift of, oh, wow, you've got to love this God in a different way than you love your family and it's got to be bigger. So I've always been keen to put that in because I think that's a really big key to her resilience yeah. is having, you know, a God that's bigger than me to fall back on um, and bigger than dad. And, yeah, so, yeah, I said that to her the other day. I said, you know, he loves you way more than I do. Isn't that crazy? You can't even get your head around that. Like, yeah. don't worry about them because he loves your children mm. more than you do. Just mm. hand them over to him. And as mothers, you know what it's like. You're kind of like, okay, here they are. Oh, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Do I give them to you? That's right. That's um, right. But it's that surrender and that generosity. He'll never outdo you in generosity. That's right. That's right. And so I see him picking up that generosity in people. And I love being the connector who just says, hey, here's the opportunity um, you can make a difference like this. Here you yeah. go. And they do it. And that's a real joy for me is just seeing um, uh, something that I really think about a lot is how Jesus says, you know, the true worship I'm looking for is love of the poor. You know, that's the true worship. And I really struggle. I stress about how our church numbers up here are declining. Our communities seem to be really falling apart in a lot of ways. Um, but then I see, well, where's the spirit moving? And and I also see that, well, you know, God is drawing a lot of people into even just in this little story, the Project Indie story, he's drawing a lot of people into that real expression of worship. And, you know, these people may go to church, but the donors, I mean, or the supporters, a lot of them don't go to church. A lot of them have never stepped in a church. Some of them are Buddhist. Some of them are Hindu. Some of them are Sikh. Some of them are purely secular and wouldn't ascribe a religious faith to themselves at all. However, they've all been drawn in with this hard wiring mm. that God's put in their hearts anyway mm. to love the little ones, and they get it, you know. And I just think sometimes this worship... This expression of worship is a beautiful thing even if the person hasn't gone through the rest of formation. You know, it can hopefully lead to more formation. But it's definitely a good mm-hmm. a good thing to see, you know. It's, it's, of course. And nothing is wasted in the economy of God. Everything mm. has, has a purpose and a connection. Mm. And mm. As, as one of the ladies once said on my podcast, um, there are no coincidences. They're all God incidences. Yeah, yeah. You know, these people that have never stepped foot in a church, 
that that act of living beyond themselves yeah to donate is what is their connection and that will be a window you know mm. and, and maybe something that inspires them or, or it tweaks their holy curiosity and they think oh, what is mm -hmm. this you know like it, it's just an opening and that's all yeah. that's what we need we just yeah. need a tiny crack in our heart mm. for grace to to go in yeah yeah things happen yeah it's true yeah it's really true yeah um anything else you can tell us from africa that story about the muslim chief was so beautiful um i guess uh the stories of some children there that now these aren't stories that i experienced but that the sisters have shared with me mm. um and i probably should have led with these stories actually because you know they're actually really powerful um so one is of this little boy john who hadn't been coming to kindy for a month or so and the sisters went to search for him and find out why when they found him and his mum the dad had left and the mum was selling charcoal to try and make some money he's got a little baby sibling i can't remember brother or sister and the mum is only in her 20s, um, such poverty. Um, and little John had decided in his own mind that his clothes were too tattered for him to attend kindergarten. So to put into context, no one has good clothes in Katundu. Mm. You know, no one has more than one or two sets of clothes. But his was so threadbare that he thought it was undignified, that he couldn't join in community. Mm. So that was like a big, the, the hand of poverty just pushed him away because he had been involved, but then it just pushed him back and isolated him even more. And so when the sisters found him, they, they were like, oh, well, we can provide a uniform for you and dress this little boy. Oh. <laughs> brought him back to community because oh, they get they get daily food you know these starving children get food they get oh I'm such a cryer <laughs> oh you've met your match I'm sorry <laughs> they get um early years education which sets them up you know gives them a much better chance of succeeding in primary school but beyond that, they actually get connection with community because poverty really isolates people, children, little people. You know, the dad leaves for no good reason and they, he devastates the family that was already in poverty. And, you know, that's a story I hear over and over again. The dad's just gone, you know. Um, and so these little people are pushed away and it just yeah means a lot i think to bring to bring a little person back into the arms of community and the mums feel that you know the mums really feel it because they've suffered watching their children not be able to access food and yeah it reminds me of um just the power of women because mm. women remain when it's yeah. hard, women remain. 
who stayed at the foot of the cross. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it's those sisters, those women who go out to meet that little boy to show him mm-hmm. dignity and bring him back. Yeah. Um, just over and over and over again, women need to be proud of being women. Yeah. We can't compete with men. We're not men. We no. have to be our truest self, our 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 feminine self and that is that heart that those nuns showed that that mother showed you know that you show yeah it's just so important and it is so it's so lacking Mm -hmm. but when women do those things yeah the most beautiful things happen oh i didn't even i didn't bring a tissue here (laughs) over there anyway that's so beautiful but showing that little boy the dignity of of being mm. part of something. Well, it gives him confidence, you know, it gives him social skills, it gives him the ability to have a future, to attend primary school, you know, it changes his life. Gives him his humanity. Yeah. So powerful. Oh, so powerful. And they do that time and time again. Yeah. I, I went to India um, uh, first year uni. I went over um, for, I think we were there for three and a half weeks or something. Um, and we worked in a slum. Mm. And um, so, so the first few weeks we worked in a slum, we were building, we were teaching health and hygiene and um, right. we were just um painting a a classroom right and i don't know what else i i my job was to teach sport don't know why (laughs) um anyway that was the job i got so some were doing dental hygiene pulling teeth out and stuff like that i didn't get that job yeah and i didn't get the job of painting i got to teach sport so i um i was the fun one yeah fun ones Anyway, this one woman um, befriended me and um, as you were saying before, they only have, they're lucky enough to have two outfits. Mm. So this woman um, had two saris and the day um, we were leaving, she came up to me with some brown paper, it was with the newspaper and in the newspaper was a gift for me and it was one of her saris. Oh, my gosh. She wanted to give me her her second sari, right. and like the generosity of these people who have nothing, yeah, absolutely yeah. nothing, and I I couldn't take it, of course. Yeah, <laughs> but I was um, you know, she was offended that I couldn't take that I didn't want. I said, oh, no, it's not that I don't want it. I can't take it from you. So I put it on, and she dressed me, and she was laughing. Thought it was hilarious. Right. Um. And then I gave it back to her. But people that have nothing mm. give you everything. You know, mm. we, we, we've got a lot to learn from these But people. I think it's in giving, in giving that there is dignity. When you have something to give, it makes you feel good. Like, mm. again, that's that hard wiring. Mm. That's in everyone, no matter what your wealth or poverty is. Yeah. You know, God wants you to give. Be a giver. Yeah. And a receiver. Hmm. Yeah, but all the more we should be giving so much more than we do. Yeah. 
Um, like, yeah. Importantly, if that woman can give me her sorry, <laughs> I, know. I should be giving a lot more than what I do. I know. And you just wonder, what's the state of my heart? Like, how can my heart be more like hers? Yeah, but you, I guess the bigger picture is we live in a hedonistic society that's consumerist. We live in a bubble and it takes effort daily and that's where your prayers come in and God's perspective comes in to really challenge that and step outside of that. Mm. So how can we help? How can we give? What can we do? Well, you can advocate for us and pray for us. That means sharing our website, projectkindy.com, or our Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn profiles, posts. That's Project Kindy on any of those platforms. Mm -hmm. You can just talk to your girlfriends and family members and say, oh, listen to Jess's podcast and heard about Project Kindy. Even those chats are great. Um, it's You never know what will come out of a chat. That's advocating and um, praying. Please pray for us. Oh, my Lord, please pray because the whole thing depends on prayer. There's mm. nothing else that it's depending on. Mm -hmm. um, to donate, you can head to projectkindy.com forward slash donate or just the website will take you there anyway. Yeah. And um, we're always looking for regular donors from $4 a month. So that would be supporting the equivalent of one child's fees but we won't tell you you know as i said earlier we won't actually give you a child's name but you would be giving access to kindergarten to a child for four dollars a month um, a lot of families do uh, four dollars times that their amount of children in their family so we have a lot of eight dollars a month a lot of twelve dollars a month you know a couple of twenty dollars a month families so uh, a lot of people do it that way. Otherwise, once-off donations are always welcome too. My goodness, we'll take it. <laughs> How much would it, do you need to fund a classroom? So, like, I'm thinking big here. Um, if a school got on board. <laughs> yeah. It's $7,000 for a one-classroom build and $9,000 for a two-classroom build. Um so if you want to contribute towards any of those, that would be great. We are also, well, you know, the next step is we're hopefully getting more kindergartens on board. So it costs about $9,000 for a well. Mm -hmm. um, and that's always a priority to get people access to water first. Yeah. We're in talks with the sisters about how to what the next steps are after a well in a classroom what's the next thing that they would need to be more self-sufficient but i'll get back to you on that because i haven't heard from the sisters what that is yet um if we raised more um so it costs us twenty thousand dollars a year for the kindergarten fees so that's for 11 kindergartens if we had more um, money for those fees, we'd be able to say to the sisters, hey, let's open up more kindergartens. Let's support more local villages to start their own because we've got more donors coming on board. So 
the more funds that we get in a regular capacity gives us the more capacity to build um, and reach out to more children. Yeah. And you said you've got a fundraiser coming up. What's that? Yeah, in Brisbane we have a girls' night out being sponsored by a, a Catholic mum, uh, of course. Uh, her business is called Studio One Brunswick. She has an art studio with workshops. Um, yeah, it's in The Loft at West End, October 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, tickets are $120. 80 of that is for a two-course meal, two drinks, DJ, dance floor, beautiful venue, night out with really when lovely ladies. When is it? Ladies. October 23? Yeah. I it, think we're I'm, in lockdown by then. I could come up. <laughs> yeah, please do. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. And then the $40 section of the ticket is a fully tax-deductible donation, which will send a child to kindy for a year. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So we're hoping, yeah, we're hoping to get 120 ladies and all really values-driven, community-oriented ladies who are highly responsible and, you know, just lovely women. Fantastic. Well, I wish you all the best for the 23rd of October. I hope you you. reach capacity. Yes, please pray for us. Yeah, because we play, we feel like we're playing chicken with COVID here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I just have a feeling that, well, don't worry, I'll take you, I'll take your intentions to my boyfriend this afternoon when I I walk over. I've heard he's really good value. So, (laughs) he's very good at (laughs) organisation. He's got an eye for events, I'm sure. <laughs> He's a really good networker too. So He is. Yes. He is at Miracles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so good luck with the 23rd. But I, um, I'm so proud of you. Can I just say? Oh, thank you. It's amazing what you're doing. And I'm so grateful that you, um, your fiat, your yes, mm. is so beautiful. And mm. thank you. Oh, thank you, Jessica. Right back at you. Before we finish, I ask all my guests something that brought them joy this week. Did you think of something that brought you joy this week? I did. I took my daughter, Cara, um, out just for a girls' night. We have a festival up here at the moment called Brisbane Festival. And I just thought, let's go for an adventure to South Bank. We live nearby. Mm-hmm. We just enjoyed each other's company and just got along, you know, just felt really close and I took a photo of the two of us and she just does this beautiful thing where she puts her little hand on my in, shoulder and she just leans right in like she's a lot older than what she is and she looks directly at the camera but not with a fake smile but with a really like relaxed, I love this woman smile, you know, and I just treasure that so much she's at home right there on your heart oh gosh it's so special i just go this little and she's done that all her life she just leans right in and just does this beautiful i'm so content with my mum you know and i feel the same Mm -hmm. how beautiful but it was just a joyful night yeah feel very close to her yeah that's so gorgeous my joy this week is definitely spring um, mm-hmm. I just feel there's an air. Spring just reminds me of hope, and I think that's something that is so so desperately needed in our world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I'm so grateful for spring <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because oh, we've had I mean, a long hard winter. <laughs> oh, 
It's resurrection month real a season, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Donna. You better get back to your two beautiful girls and I am so grateful for your fiat. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica, and affirming me. You're most welcome. Appreciate it. <laughs>